Welcome to this week's episode of the Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence, Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. I'm your host Georgina from the Nativity of the Theotokos Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Father Isaac Zareb, who will be providing a message from the Gospel according to St. John, where Christ entrusts the care of his mother to St. John the Theologian. This will be followed by short readings from our Philokalic Nourishment series, as well as a selected chanting track. We'll then conclude this week's episode with a reading from our Orthodox Library. But first, we would like to begin this week's episode with the morning prayer service or prayers upon awakening. O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. Glory to you, our God, glory to you. O heavenly King, comforter and spirit of truth, you who are in all places and fill all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life, come to dwell in us, cleanse us from every stain, and save our souls, O gracious one. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. All Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. Lord, cleanse us from our sins. Master, pardon our iniquities. Holy One, visit and heal our infirmities for your name's sake. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen. As we arise from sleep, we fall down before you, O good one, and we cry to you with the hymn of the angels, O mighty one. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God, through the Theotokos have mercy on us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Having raised me from bed and from sleep, O Lord, enlighten my mind and my heart, and open my lips that I may praise you, O Holy Trinity. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God. Through the Theotokos, have mercy on us. Both now and ever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Suddenly the judge shall come, and the deeds of each shall be laid bare. But let us cry out with fear in the midst of the night. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God. Through the Theotokos, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. As I rise from sleep, I thank you, O Holy Trinity, for because of your great goodness and long-suffering, You are not wroth with me, the slothful and sinner. 
nor did you destroy me in my iniquities, but did show your wanted love for man. And when I was prostrate in despair, you did raise me to keep the morning watch and glorify your dominion. And now enlighten the eyes of my mind, open my mouth to meditate on your words and to understand your commandments, and to do your will, and to chant to you in heartfelt confession, and praise your all-holy name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen. Glory be to you, O Almighty God and King, for in your divine and man-befriending providence you have deemed me, who am a sinner and unworthy, worthy to rise up from sleep and to enter your holy house. O Lord, receive the voice of my supplication as you receive that of your holy noetic powers, and be well pleased that with a pure heart and in a spirit of humility, praise be offered to you from my defiled lips, so that I, with the radiant lamp of my soul, may also become a communicant with the wise virgins and glorify you, God the Word, glorified in the Father and the Spirit. Amen. O Christ, the true light, who does enlighten and sanctify every man who comes into the world, let the light of your countenance be signed upon us, that in it we may behold the unapproachable light, and guide our steps in the performance of your commandments by the intercessions of your all-immaculate Mother and of all your saints. Amen. Through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, O Lord Jesus Christ our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. I would like to begin with a prayer that the Lord strengthen our Father and Metropolitan Basilios along with all the reverend clergy of our Archdiocese. May God also grant strength and patience to our faithful at home during these lockdowns, and may He deliver us all from this plague so that we may come back to see Him in His house 
and to never neglect him in our lives. Brothers and sisters, on Sunday the 26th of September, the Holy Orthodox Church commemorates the repose of the Holy Apostle and Evangelist John the Theologian. The reading on this Sunday is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 19, verses 25 to 27, and chapter 21, verses 24 to 25. And it reads as follows. At that time, standing by the cross of Jesus, were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own. This is the disciple whom, who is bearing witness to these things, and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things which Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. On this day, the Holy Orthodox Church offers us this passage which speaks about the crucifixion of Christ and also those who were standing by the cross, beginning with the three women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Theotokos, and her sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. If we read the Gospels of Mark and Matthew, we will also see that Salome, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, was also there with them. And we'll come to that. When the Holy Evangelist calls Mary the wife of Cleopas, the sister of the Theotokos, by that he means that she was her relative. This is very common in the Hebrew literature and in the Gospels to call the relative a sister or a brother. The Gospel passage today is associated directly with the mother of our Lord and the disciple whom Jesus loved. And according to the tradition of the Church, this disciple whom Jesus loved was St. John the Evangelist. The Lord addresses his mother and says, Woman, behold your son. He addresses her in the same manner as he did at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. At the time of Jesus, brothers and sisters, this was a normal way to speak, and by calling her woman, he was in no way belittling or disrespecting her. We then see that, from that hour the disciple took her to his own. This means that from that moment onwards he took care of her, he took care of the Theotokos, as his own mother. Let us make a side note here before we continue and take advantage of how St. John the Evangelist avoids mentioning his own name and simply describes himself as the apostle who Jesus loved. Let us for a moment avoid St. John altogether, actually, and say that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to every beloved disciple, and by that to every Christian believer who is a beloved follower of Christ. By this, we can surely say that the Blessed Mother of God is a mother of us all, and therefore it is highly appropriate, and we must always run to her for refuge, just like we run to our own mothers and fathers. We run to her for refuge and help, especially in times of struggle, pain, and fear. We can go on to speak for hours about the Mother of our Lord, actually, if we wanted to. However, the Church today 
chose to shed the light or put the spotlight on St. John the Beloved and described his death as a translation, just as the Church describes the death of the Theotokos as a translation, a translation from death unto life. He is the first to be described by the Church as theologian because he soared into the heights of theology like no one else. He soared like an eagle. The holy, glorious, allotable apostle and evangelist, virgin and beloved friend of Christ, John the theologian, was the son of Zebedee and Salome, and the brother of James, not James, one who is known as the brother of the Lord, James the son of Zebedee. John and his brother James were the grandsons of Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary the Theotokos. Joseph, Mary's fiancé, had four sons by his first marriage as he was a widower according to tradition. His sons were James, Joseph, Jude, and Simon or Simeon. And he also had three daughters, Esther, Martha, and Salome, who is the mother of St. John, whom we're celebrating today. John's mother, Salome, was also one of the myrrh-bearing women, as we know. We can say if we may, that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, was like a step-uncle to St. John the Evangelist, actually, since he was the adopted son of Joseph, who was betrothed to his mother Mary, and Joseph happens to be the grandfather of St. John. This might make it seem quite natural for the Lord to entrust the care of his mother to John at the cross, since Mary and Salome were also such close friends, and after all, John was a relative of Jesus because he was a grandson of Joseph, the one who was betrothed to his mother. Being Jesus' relative and being so young, it, was also, it would also make sense that he was treated very tenderly by the Lord, not that Christ had any favoritism, but he was very close to him. He was the Beloved. He was called by our Lord Jesus Christ to be one of his disciples and apostles at the same time as his elder brother James at the lake of Genesaret. The Apostle John was especially loved by the Savior for his sacrificial love and his virginal purity. After his calling, the Apostle John did not part from the Lord. And he was one of the three apostles who were particularly close to him. He was present when the Lord restored the daughter of Jairus to life. And he was a witness to the transfiguration of the Lord on Mount Tabor. And during the Last Supper, he reclined next to the Lord and laid his head upon his breast. The apostle John followed after the Lord when they led him bound from the Garden of Gethsemane to the court of the iniquitous high priest Annas and Caiaphas, and he followed after him on the way to Golgotha, grieving with all his heart. He was also present at the tomb as a witness to the resurrection and was the first to recognize Christ by the sea after the resurrection when he appeared to the disciples, all of them, when they were fishing. After the Domitian of the Mother of God, the Apostle John went to Ephesus and other cities of Asia, Asia Minor 
to preach the gospel to the pagans, to the Gentiles, and he converted many. During the time of Emperor Domitian, in the years 81 to 96, the Apostle John, as the sole surviving apostle, was summoned to Rome for trial. St. John was sentenced to death for his confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Lord preserved his chosen one. They made him drink a cup of deadly poison, but he remained alive, and later he emerged unharmed from a cauldron, a big pot of boiling oil into which he had been thrown on orders from the torturer. After this, they sent the Apostle John off to imprisonment or exile to the island of Patmos, where he spent many years and wrote the book of Revelation. He also wrote his gospel, the gospel according to St. John, and three epistles, which are included, all of them, in the New Testament. In his three epistles, St. John speaks of the significance of love for God and for the neighbor. After his prolonged exile, the Apostle John received his freedom, finally, and returned to Ephesus, where he continued his activity, instructing Christians to guard against false teachers and their erroneous teachings. John lived his entire life in celibacy, he did not marry, and he died a natural death. He was actually the only one of the apostles to do so, being around 105 years old at his death. He far outlived the other eyewitnesses of the Lord. He was an eyewitness. He witnessed the Lord himself with his own eyes. And for a long time, he remained the only remaining eyewitness of the earthly life of our Savior. There are several stories that describe how St. John died. In one story, it is said that he did not die, but was translated to the Lord, as in he was taken up to the Lord. In this story we see an echo, actually, of what was mentioned in the Gospel according to St. John in chapter 21, where the Lord was walking with Peter, and then John came and followed them. What happened? Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die, meaning St. John. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? St. Irenaeus, at the end of the second century, applied the four figures we find in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 10, and in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 7. These figures are of a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. He applied them respectively to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the evangelists. John was known by the symbol of the eagle, because his gospel soared into the heavenly heights of, of the mystery of Christ. Nothing in the other three gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke can compare with the way John wrote 
about Christ and the mystery of the Incarnation. When we read his Gospel, we see that the eagle indeed has landed. The heavenly Lord has come down to earth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, has taken on human nature and has become one of us, one with us, in all things but in sin. He lives with us, and our senses truly testify to his presence. This eagle, St. John, he offers us the true perspective on Christ that captures both his divine and human natures. He is the chief theologian of the Church. He was filled with love and became filled with theology, and by that I mean he was filled with the knowledge of God. He revealed the beauty of the Trinity and became a chosen beloved of God, as Isaiah was, Isaiah whose voice gained courage from God by grace, and as Moses who spoke with God and beheld him. He attained an enlightened mind and a celibate body and became all light as he soared like an eagle near the eternal light. Through the intercessions of your beloved evangelist John, Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy upon us and save us. Amen. Thank you, Father Isaac, for that enriching message. And now a reading from the Philokalia. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our Holy Neptic Fathers with this week's Philokalic Nourishment. It is a great virtue to accept patiently whatever comes, and as the Lord enjoins, to love a neighbour who hates you. The sign of sincere love is to forgive wrongs done to us. It was with such love that the Lord loved the world. St. Mark the ascetic. It is written, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. The will of the Father is indicated in the words, You who love the Lord hate evil. Hence we should both pray the prayer of Jesus Christ and hate our evil thoughts. In this way we do God's will. Saint Hesychios the Priest Suppose you have ordered yourself not to eat fish. You will find that the enemy continually makes you long to eat it. You are filled with an uncontrollable desire for the thing that is forbidden. In this way, you can see how Adam's fall typifies what happens to all of us. Because he was told not to eat from a particular tree, he felt irresistibly attracted to the one thing that was forbidden him. St. John of Carpathos On September 26 in the Holy Orthodox Church, we commemorate the translation of the holy and glorious Apostle and Evangelist, bosom friend, virgin and beloved, John the Theologian. You stand before the beloved word of the Father, you who are beloved above all the disciples. 
On the 26th, the son of thunder passed unto God. John was the son of Zebedee, the fisherman, and Salome, the daughter of Joseph, the betrothed of the holy Theotokos. Called by the Lord Jesus, John immediately left his father and his fisherman's nets, and with his brother James, followed Christ. From then on, he was not separated from his Lord until the end. With Peter and James, he was present at the raising of Jairus' daughter and the transfiguration of the Lord. At the Last Supper, he inclined his head on Jesus' breast. When all the other apostles had abandoned the crucified Lord, John and the Holy Mother of God remained beneath the cross. In obedience to the Lord, he was as a son to the Holy Virgin Mary and carefully served and watched over her until her dormition. John then lived and laboured mostly in Ephesus. By his inspired preaching and miracles, he converted many to Christianity and shook paganism to its foundation. The embittered pagans bound him and sent him to Rome to face Emperor Domitian, who had him tortured and flogged, which did him no harm. This terrified the emperor, and thinking him immortal, Domitian sent him into exile to the island of Patmos. There, John converted many to Christianity by words and miracles, and confirmed well the Church of God. He also wrote his Gospel and Revelation on Patmos. He was over 100 years old when he went to the Lord, and we celebrate the anniversary of his repose today. Through his intercessions, O Christ God, have mercy upon us. Amen.
And now a reading from our Orthodox Library. Our Thoughts Determine Our Lives A reading from the life and teachings of Elder Thaddeus of Vitovnica. Chapter 10 on Spiritual Struggle Everything is constantly changing. Nothing remains static. We perfect ourselves either in good or in evil. We must learn how to live a heavenly life, and that is not easy because up until now we have led a life of resistance and opposition. Take for example a family man who has a home and a family and who knows how to do his job well but is doing this job against his will. That is how inner resistance builds up. If we do not learn to rid ourselves of this inner resistance, we will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven and dwell among the angels and the saints. For we have acquired the habit of always opposing one thing or another, as there is always something that is against our will. We have not learned to be obedient to the will of God, but always want our will to be done. Well, in that case, there will be no place for us in heaven. Therefore, let us be thankful to God for everything. He knows why he has put us in the position where we find ourselves, and we will get the most out of it when we learn to be humble. We should always remember that whatever task we perform here in this life is for him. He gives it to us whether we are believers or not, whether we are pious or not, we must carry out God's plan. The evil spirits are always wanting to interfere with whatever we are doing for our salvation. Alas, we who are lukewarm usually say to ourselves, wait, I have not yet done this, I have not yet tried that, I will repent later. After I have done all these things I will repent, God, and I will walk the straight path, wandering neither to the right nor to the left. This is exactly what the spirits of evil want us to do. They want us to put off our salvation until tomorrow or the day after, and so on and so forth until the end of our life. But the Holy Fathers say, go with the Lord, go today, follow him. May the Lord give us Serbs and the whole world the spiritual strength to transform ourselves. We know that time is running out and the evil spirits know this too. They do not want a single person to be free from evil thoughts. With that aim, they teach even small children to oppose their parents so that, when these children grow up, they will be easy prey for them. One can see what the spirits of evil are doing with our youth. These young people offend their parents and other adults and they have no peace. But it can all take a turn for the good if each one of us begins with himself, if the transformation starts with us. We shall try to have good thoughts which will radiate from us. A meek and humble person is always very pleasant to be with, for he emanates peace and warmth. That person may not say a single word, yet we rejoice to be in his presence. So, if we all begin with ourselves, transformation will take place. Goodness will be renewed and established all around us, in our country and further abroad. I have often listened to stories of the older people about how we Serbs used to be before the Wars of Liberation in 1912. All the older people had prayer ropes and prayed to God. After 1912, things began to deteriorate and after World War I, everything took a turn for the worse. Those who are old enough to remember life between World Wars I and II know that the difference between then and now is huge. To me, this world looks as though it has just come out of Hades. We are very peculiar beings, and we often wonder at all the mysteries that surround us. We know a little bit about the world, but this is really very little. 
In the first place, we are a mystery to our own selves. Who are we and what are we, we wonder. No one asked us to be born and no one will ask us when we will depart this life. Our lifespan is very brief, but even during this brief time, we have been given many opportunities to perfect ourselves in good and to turn toward the absolute good. Only when we do so will our horizons expand and some answers become clearer to us, such as why the world exists and why it is the way it is. We will understand that it is because of us that we are to blame for the state of the world today. We will realize that we are constantly destroying peace, love and joy. Yet when we become united with the source of life, everything will become clear. We Christians have been called to spread divine peace and the atmosphere of heaven. There are very few of those who realize that this is how we should be, a source of goodness, peace and joy. A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favourite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. Until next week, God bless.